0: hello <laughs> hello so how have you been doing i've been
1: good yeah so elvira has a book coming out oh yeah yeah it's called yours cruelly
0: we're talking elvira mistress of the dark the elvira the the often imitated never duplicated the one <laughs> and so
1: she has a book coming out yours cruelly and you can pre-order it on several different sites for and it's autographed oh wow and so i pre-ordered mine it comes out in september and uh <laughs> So I wrote on Instagram that, you know, I was excited about it. And she liked it.
0: Nice. No, like
1: the Elvira, like blue checkmark by her name, Elvira.
0: Wow.
1: You don't seem as impressed No, no, I, <laughs> I
0: am. I am. That's cool. Because she's always been like a um, hero for me. Like we watched Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, I bet. I don't even know how many times. A lot. And it's hilarious. And it's still hilarious. Yes,
1: it is. <laughs>
0: like it's, yes.
1: Oi oh, Mariah, our niece would
0: watch it and... <laughs> We all the jokes went over our head at know, the time. At the time, because
1: yeah. we were children.
0: I love her. Like, I for one, she's a natural redhead. Yep. So I always felt a kinship with her. And two, she had really large boobs. <laughs> yeah. So I felt another kinship I with relate.
1: her. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, she she's great. No, I listen I, to her on podcasts too.
0: Yeah, and she's awesome. She's a good interview. She, it's interesting because you know she's been around a while and mm. she's seen a lot. And
1: she looks fabulous. Oh
0: yeah, she does. She always. I mean. She that
1: alabaster skin, like
0: yeah. You can tell she's not been in the sun. Yeah, she looks amazing. She looks really good. But yeah, I know I love her. She's awesome. So what about you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I didn't have it as an exciting week as you, but um, <laughs> but no, uh, this week was my son's kindergarten graduation. So that yep. was fun. Yeah, he did well, and now he's moving on to the first grade. He stopped and waved at you he's, on the way out. He did a super cute and. We're looking forward to it, and, you know, he did virtual this year, so he'll be in person for first grade, so I think he'll really enjoy it. It was nice to see him with the other kids, and That's exciting. But, yeah, that's pretty much been it, so...
1: Well, we have to clear up something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, on our last
1: episode, (laughs) we were talking about, you know, how our mother would let us basically watch anything we wanted. Which is true. Which is true. Right. But... I get a call from my mother <laughs> after she listens to the episode and says, I did not let y'all watch everything you wanted to. I'm sorry, Vicky, but that's a lie. <laughs>
0: like, I'm t- <laughs> racking my brain trying to remember a time she said, You can't watch that. And,
1: like, no, that's that dad would.
0: Dad would. Dad would if he caught us. Like, if he caught us, yeah. But most of the time, he didn't really like.
1: Well, I remember dad made me throw my George Michael tape away. Remember you remember that? that yes. My cousin Debbie got it for me for my birthday. <laughs> And looking back, it probably wasn't appropriate for a third grader to have that, but (laughs) dad made me throw it away.
0: But it's not like you couldn't hear it on the radio. Right.
1: But then I I think I got Bon Jovi's uh, New Jersey. You upgraded anyway. So, you know, but I don't know. George Michael was pretty good.
0: He had a really good voice, but I mean, I didn't care that much for his songs. I liked, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could sing like I probably only liked
1: the ones I heard on the radio.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I remember that with Dad. That was hilarious. But, no, I the thing about it was, yeah, okay, it, we'll make jokes about it because we did... I, she's wrong. We did watch what we wanted, but we never actually, I think, took it too far. Like, she's the one that made us watch Halloween and stuff. Like, yeah. we didn't pick that ourselves. Yeah. So... I, I think she's concerned that she's gonna come
1: across looking like a bad mother,
0: <laughs> and she was absolutely a great mother. Yeah, she was a
1: fantastic mother, and still is. And yeah, but she was like, "Y'all are gonna make me sound terrible? Like, <laughs> I, like I wasn't watching y'all at all, and I never left you home alone." You remember her saying that?
0: Well, she didn't like leave us home alone I, a lot. I
1: remember one time I don't know where everybody was, but I was home alone, and I got freaked out, and I was young, and so I went and sat on the neighbor's. Uh, I guess papa was gone, too, because we lived, yeah, she wanted me to say that, too, that we lived, like, behind our grandfather <laughs> and beside my aunt, and everybody in the neighborhood knew everybody, which is true, so, you know, and it was the 80s. It was a different time in early, early 90s. Early 90s, yeah. But, yeah, but I was so freaked out that I went and sat on the neighbor's porch. You're
0: talking and, about Alfred Nisley? Alfred Nisley, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I went and
1: sat on their porch until Mom and Dad came home.
0: I was young. Where was I? I don't know. So weird. You probably told me I couldn't hang out with you and your friends. And how often did that happen? We all hung out together pretty much. <laughs> but anyway. Yes, Vicki.
1: We, we did watch what we wanted to. and But we weren't,
0: you know what I mean.
1: I mean, we weren't watching like porn.
0: <laughs> no, no.
1: Maybe that's what she means. Well, I think my child- <laughs> You might want to edit that out.
0: <laughs> no, I, but no, I mean,
1: but like I, as far as movies and TV shows, well, she let us basically watch. Well, I what think we to. she
0: understood that we were responsible enough to know what we shouldn't watch. Like if something was really bad, like I don't remember watching anything that was like, you know, super super violent. Yeah, yeah, like in like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't remember watching anything like that. It was mainly just stuff that may have been a few years we should have been a few years older. Yeah, yeah. Not stuff that was like totally inappropriate, right?
1: So, Vicky, relax. dear Mom. mother, you, you you're good.
0: We we were just you're
1: a, you're a great mother.
0: <laughs> and no one's going to think any less of you <laughs> because we watched Halloween when we were six and the Omen. <laughs> no, no, she was a good mother, and no matter what, I mean, we were just you know. We did watch what we wanted to, but... And
1: we turned out fine. And we
0: turned out (laughs) fine. Arguably. (laughs) But no, I think that, you know, I understand where she's coming from on the mother side of it. You don't want to, you know, you don't want people to think, oh, I just let my kids run wild. But we are talking about a different time, too. Yeah, Well, and that's as
1: that kind of goes along with what the case we're going to do today. We were talking about that before we got started, about parents and everything like that. Right. That you... You have to have some kind of um, realization about how you're doing in your own life and everything before you pass certain traits on to your kids. Because mm-hmm. you never know. Your kids could grow up to be
0: just... Well, you kids, you know, imitate what they see. So if you model certain behaviors, more than likely your kids are going to exhibit those behaviors too.
1: Yeah. So if you're doing something, you need to think, to, if, and you have kids, think to yourself do i want my kids to grow up to be like this right you know and so i think that goes a lot with our case today
0: oh it's something else that goes with our case too Mm -hmm. so this one they have actually made at least one movie about this i think more than one but um so i was thinking like what movies do you like that are based on a real person or Mm -hmm. a real event something like that um well, the Aviator. I love the Aviator. And actually, Leonardo DiCaprio. I just watched this the other night, and I love it. Every time it's on, I watch it. He's
1: fabulous and that. If you haven't seen
0: that, that's that's the top of his game right there. The whole cast is really good. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Caitlin Shep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, too, because he's not a figure that I knew a lot about before I watched it. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very interesting. Yeah. And they didn't go so deep into the years where he kind of, you know, became a recluse and all that. Yeah. But um it was more about the younger, you know, how he became how it developed. Yeah. yeah. And it it's very good. I loved it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um I would say one that we watch uh since childhood. Coal miner's daughter.
1: The coal miner's daughter.
0: Yeah. I, like, I love Loretta Lynn. I do too. She's awesome. She, she should be like a national treasure. She is a like,
1: national treasure, and Sissy Spacek is more Loretta Lynn than Loretta Lynn is.
0: <laughs> you do think that after you watch the movie, it's like, but they, but she did such a good job. Like it's very similar. Yeah. Like there's not a whole lot of difference. And they're tight now. They're like that's awesome. Yeah. No, I love that movie, and like I still quote from it. Well, and Sissy Spacek's from Virginia, isn't she? I, or she? Or she, she lives in Virginia. I think she had at one point, at least. If she still, she may still have. Yeah. She's one near of my Charlottesville, favorites. I believe.
1: Yeah, she's one of my favorites. So.
0: But yeah, I um I like that one. That's one of my favorites. And it reminds me of childhood.
2: Yeah.
0: It reminds me of like how probably our, especially on my dad, our dad's side, yeah. how their family grew up. And probably. it's very, yeah. because there was kids and they didn't have None a of lot kids. of money and yeah. it just seemed like that would be. The way they grew up. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just made it relatable, I think. But those, oh, I know another one. Actually, this is Leonardo DiCaprio, too, but um Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, yeah. like Abagnale? Yeah. Is that Abagnale? Abagnale? I don't Ab- know. You know who we're talking <laughs> about. That guy. Talking, that guy. But no, that was a good movie, too. I enjoyed that. Yeah,
1: that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Trying to think of another I one. I like that one a lot. Tom Hanks was good in it, too. Mm-hmm. But those are just a few. I didn't really, like... I, I don't watch a whole lot of real life, believe it or not. Like, you know, the ones they make about the serial killers and stuff. Like, they've made a ton about Ted Bundy. And I honestly...
1: I watched the one with Zac Efron.
0: Yeah. And it was okay. Well, my thinking about that is... I don't know. I've read so much about it, I guess, that the movies don't really hold my attention because I already know everything. So it doesn't really show me anything new. I
1: would rather watch like a... um, i.d. show about it or yeah
0: because i mean that yeah
1: dateline or something like that about it
0: yeah because the movie you know is going to take some license mm-hmm. you know poetic license whatever but you, you saw the it. movie about this case right i did and yes it is messed up yeah and what's so funny about it is the um the actors that play the two leads i love actually and they're both in you know tv shows that i loved mm-hmm. and they play characters that i love but this is a really messed up. I mm-hmm. mean, we're actually on this one wanted to like put out kind of a trigger warning because we've not really done a whole lot of cases. Well, I, I think we've only done one that really even touched on, you know, rape and sexual assault. But this one is highly um, prevalent in this case. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, this one, this one disturbed me doing the research for it. But uh, I think it's an important story to be told.
0: Especially, like, some of the things that happen legally with mm-hmm. this is kind of yeah. crazy. But. Yeah. All right. So, I guess we'll go and get started with this. So, this is the Ken and Barbie murders. Is yeah. That's what they've been dubbed. Yeah. They have several, like, names for this, but that's one of the most prevalent mm-hmm. ones, it seems like. That's the one that includes both of them. So right. So, we're, we're going
1: to be talking about Paul Bernardo mm-hmm. and Carla Hol- Homolka. Homolka. Okay. Yeah. yeah let's make sure I saying that right. So, Paul was born in 1964 in Scarborough, which is a district of Ontario, Canada. He is the third child to Marilyn and Kenneth, who owned a lucrative tile and marble company in the area. Uh, There are many accounts that their marriage was not going that well. Right. Right. Actually, Marilyn, before she had married Kenneth, was in love with another man and had planned to marry him, but her father did not approve. Oh, wow. So she went ahead and married Kenneth, knowing that, you know, they probably were not in love and all this stuff. Their marriage was rocky, and um, Marilyn and Kenneth had a son and daughter, and then a little while later, Paul came along. hmm So Kenneth was reportedly abusive to Marilyn, and it was no secret that there was no love in their marriage. Right. So actually, according to an author, um, he wrote a book called Lethal Marriage, and his name's Nick Prawn, uh, talking about the way Paul was when he was younger. He was actually, this is a quote, he was always happy, a young boy who smiled a lot, and he was so cute with his dimpled good looks and sweet smile that many of the mothers just wanted to pinch him on the cheek whenever they saw him. He was the perfect child they all wanted, polite, well-mannered, doing well in school, so sweet in his Boy Scout uniform.
0: And, you yeah, know, that's funny because in these cases, it seems like that is often, like, how they're described, especially when they're younger. Mm-hmm. But even when they're older and they're doing these things, there has to be a certain amount of charm and charisma in order to get people to go along with what yeah. they're trying to do. So, I mean, it often, you know, to the outside, often looks like they are, you know, charming and attractive and mm-hmm. all this. So, it you know, you can't just tell by looking at somebody what their intentions are. So Mm -hmm. that's just, you know, interesting.
1: Well, and he was so young and everything. And I can just imagine in his little boy scout uniform, all kids are cute when Mm -hmm. they're in the boy scout uniforms, but he had no idea what was going on in his own home, uh, according to the book and everything that, you know, um, Paul's dad was, like we said, he was very abusive and um, he was actually charged with child molestation In 1975, and allegedly, and
0: I don't know that it's allegedly, but sexually abused his own daughter. Mm -hmm. So that, if you're growing up in a home where that's going on, even if you're not fully aware, Mm -hmm. there's probably, you know, the abuse was known Mm -hmm. with his mother.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But you got to think on some level, there is something where they kind of know Mm -hmm. that something's not right, at least. But they kind of disconnect yeah, you yeah. want You don't want to believe that your parent would do these kinds of things. Although, with him, who knows? Right, right. So, but yeah, I mean, he. so basically, he did not have the best of childhood. Yeah. Well, at one point,
1: Marilyn gets really tired of the abuse, but she doesn't leave the home. She moves into the basement mm-hmm. of the
0: family home. And I guess that's how their marriage ends up
1: working, uh, if you want to call it that.
0: Well, you know, this is a different time. People it, Divorce wasn't, you know... Mm-hmm happening all the time like it is now yeah you know people stayed regardless and Mm -hmm. you know that always is not the best answer especially for kids you know to see parents who can't get along and fight and abuse they're abusive it's not a good situation yeah well and
1: he seemed to be a pretty normal kid despite everything going on um he got really into the boy scouts which we talked about he even won the uh chief scout award Mm -hmm. which is apparently a big deal in I know nothing about the Boy Scouts, but apparently it's a big deal. Right. Um, he became really good friends with a guy named Van and Steve, who were also in the Scouts with him. Um, him and Van ended up being friends for a long time. But um, they did begin sitting small fires with magnifying glasses around that time. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily an indicator that he's going to turn into the monster that he does. Right. I mean, because well,
0: I, I don't like the
1: saying not- that boys will be boys, but you know kids do stuff that
0: they shouldn't do right you know well, i mean every kid does i mean yeah. you do stuff you know you shouldn't be doing yeah. but i mean it's just curiosity yeah i mean something like that i wouldn't look at and say that's
1: no i wouldn't think no anybody. had they
0: been sitting small animals on yeah. fire with a, no know, that's I any
1: information that like any anybody was hurt by doing this or right. there was any like destruction of property really that was uh That went along with this, but, you know, that's not an indicator, I don't think, but, you know. So, when Paul was 15, his mother told him that Kenneth was not his biological father. Mm -hmm. That, in fact, the guy she was in love with was his real father. Right, yes. That she had had an affair while, um, obviously, she was married to his dad. And Paul went off, like... And I would imagine being a 15-year-old, even if you know your dad's a piece of crap, Mm -hmm. learning that it's... Not your dad. Not your dad, He probably always felt like something was off, Mm -hmm. I would think, because I don't know if Kenneth knew. I guess Kenneth knew. I think he did because his name was on the, he said that he would put his name on the birth certificate. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know how I would react in that situation Which is
0: strange kind of because she had two other kids before. Yeah. So this is not like this was right when they got together. Right. This was years later. Yeah, Later. he was the youngest of the kids. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of tells you probably they never quit Yeah. There, you know. Oh, yeah. So. Well, and
1: like I said, he was not happy at all. And he began to call his mother a whore and a slut. And she would retaliate back to him and call him a bastard. So uh, it was unhealthy in the beginning anyway. But it became even more unhealthy after after all this information came
0: out. Yeah, that's a lot to digest as a teenager. But, you know, you would think that kind of tells you the state of the mother too though yeah because if you tell your child something that you know Mm life-changing and i don't know how you would expect them to take it well yeah so how do you antagonize them Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah and i couldn't find
1: much much information about the other guy
0: yeah like the guy that really is his
1: father or if he tried to be in his life at all after i'm gonna guess no i'm guessing no but I, i didn't find anything out about him but um which honestly i didn't search too far down to it but uh so once in high school uh paul begins to date so he starts dating and many girls that he dated in high school and everything said that he was super controlling and overprotective to the point that it was alarming right that it was it was borderline abuse if not full-blown abuse um and after when we talked about him setting fires but after he was dumped by his first longtime girlfriend he actually
0: set fire to everything she had uh yes i read that too yeah
1: so yeah that's (laughs) Again, though... He's a teenager. He's a teenager. And, you know... I mean, I I don't condone teenagers going out and setting fires if somebody breaks up with you,
0: but... But I've heard a lot of people, you know, they'll get everything that they got from this person, put it in a pit, and burn it. Yeah. I mean, that's not overly, I think, uh, you know... Alarming? No.
1: Yeah. I mean... I think he began to like stalk her a little bit too, and well, that yeah, now that's different. <laughs> now but we're getting into whole new territory. Yeah,
0: now that's different, but no, I wouldn't think just from burning the items, that's not yeah, you know. So he graduated from high school and he began to frequent
1: bars where he would manufacture lies to like numerous women to get them. He would basically trick them into having sex with him. Mm-hmm. That was his mo. And he enrolled in the University of Toronto in 1983 at the Scarborough campus. Um, like I said, he dates a lot of girls, um, but he doesn't actually have relationships with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically one night stands with all the a ton of different women. Right. Uh, and it's actually reported that he threatened to kill many of them if they reported what he had done to them. I couldn't find too much about that either, about what he had actually
0: done to some of these women. Well, probably because it wasn't reported. Yeah. So there's not really anything to say. But if that's the case, then something was going on. Yeah. Yeah. He was getting them to do things they didn't want to do, probably. In these cases where you're dealing with, you know, people who have certain perversions whatever it almost always starts out they start you know peeping in windows Mm -hmm. and it it always progresses he started you know dating a lot of women so he was also peeping as well i read yeah so you know it goes from that to stalking i mean so it just the progression is almost always there with these types of people it Mm -hmm. seems like well i
1: had read a report did you read anything about the virgin farm fantasy yes yes i did uh and I thought that was pretty telling. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he had this fantasy of basically having like this harem of virgins mm-hmm. that, that would be at his disposal anytime he wanted. Right. And I mean, he he had told people about this fantasy. Yeah, Yeah. He didn't
0: make it a secret.
1: Yeah. So you can kind of picture what his mind's like a little bit and mm-hmm. what he places priority on and stuff like that. So in 1986, uh, Paul actually got a restraining order issued against him for making obscene phone calls to Van's former girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Van, like I said, friend. was the friend that, you know, he grew up with and the Boy Scouts with and everything. But um, Van and that girl, even though they were, they were broke up, they had still remained friends. But uh, yeah, he he started making obscene phone calls to her. And we're not talking like, you know, is your refrigerator running? <laughs> right. Phone calls. We're, we're talking obscene phone yeah. calls. He was actually in a relationship with a girl named Carol, um, but, you know, that's not good enough for him. He sleeps with other women and even begins another relationship with a girl named Susie at this time. Mm -hmm. And just to tell you the amount of control that he had over these women, even after they both found out about each other, they continued to see him Mm -hmm. because they were afraid of him and he had so much control over them. Right. And uh, he was very manipulative and actually, eventually, Carol gets a restraining order against him, too, because he's violent, and, you know, she just wants no part of it. hmm So in 1987, Paul graduates from college, and he takes a job as a junior accountant for the Pricewaterhouse accounting firm. That same year in 1987, from the beginning of May until the end of July, a rapist starts targeting young women in the Scarborough area, uh, outside of bus stops and... Uh, Actually, in their own backyards and everything. hmm And it quickly becomes evident that these women were raped by the same person, and the police dub him the Scarborough Rapist. Right. hmm So, in October of 1987, Paul goes to a convention at a Howard Johnson hotel where he meets uh, 17-year-old Carla
0: Homolka. And Paul, at that time, was what? 20, 23, 23, 23, right. Yeah. So, he's 23, and Carla is... 17. 17. Yeah. And so... Carla, she was born on May 4th of 1970. Her parents' marriage was not completely smooth sailing. It wasn't quite like Paul's background. But um, from what I have read, her father, like, was crazy about her. Yeah. But he would drink. And when he would drink, he would degrade her and her mother. Um, So there was some abuse in her life as well. Um she was the oldest of three girls so she had two younger sisters and um Laurie and Tammy Lori and Tammy yeah. and um it's I read also that usually her father had a mistress on the side as well mm-hmm. so you had abuse you had you know um adultery yeah. so it wasn't an ideal home either Basically, you have two people who are coming from two abusive homes. One may be a little bit more significant than the other. Well, definitely more significant than the other. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they meet at the convention. Carla was actually working um, in a veterinarian's office. It was said she loved animals and that she wanted... That's what she wanted to do.
1: Which I found strange because most of the time when we do these stories, they don't love animals because that's usually you know, where their sadisticness starts is with animals. So I find, always find it fascinating when a serial killer or something like that is crazy about animals. Right. So I just thought that that was
0: odd. But yeah, so she was in town for the animal convention. So she meets Paul. Um Paul and Carla met at the hotel, and they were instantly attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the underlying, you know, tendencies they both had or what but they were instantly attracted to each other well they were both attractive people well yeah i mean that's why they call them the ken and barbie because i mean they were you know you wouldn't look at them and think right off those are two you know sadistic crazy people yeah yeah they were instantly attracted and according to reports they actually had sex that night in front of their friends that were also (laughs) at the conference So, I mean, they started off, you know, pretty much from the beginning, like... Well, and up to this point, too, Paul had not really found
1: anybody else that would, like, be willing to do the stuff that he wanted to do, and that
0: drew him to her even more. Right, because, you know, she will give in to what he wants to do as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like they were, you know, it's just crazy. They were connected. They were. I mean, according to reports also, though, Paul was like really into Carla because she would give in to all this and she was into it too. It wasn't like, I don't think she was giving in just because he wanted it. She was into this stuff too. Yeah. It was not, you know, a one sided street. Like this was stuff she wanted to do as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There were reports though, that he was controlling with her too.
1: Yeah.
0: That he controlled what she wore and, you know, what she looked like, and things like that. So it wasn't a typical relationship, obviously. But, I mean, there were some aspects that he was abusive to her as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely.
0: So between 1987 and 1990, the Scarborough rapist had raped a ton of people. Yeah. And so the police had sketches of this person. And yeah. for some reason, they never released it to the public. That's what gets me. Okay. So
1: they did the sketch in 1988. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there was a lot of physical evidence in the case. And I know it was the late 80s and they don't have the DNA and stuff like we do now. Mm-hmm. to deal with. But they do this composite sketch. And the composite sketch is very good. I mean, it's a very good sketch. And first, I don't know why they would not release that. You have a rapist loose in your town. Mm-hmm. That has raped numerous women by this point. Like, I mean, it's at least five by this point. Mm -hmm. Maybe more than that by 88. But those are the ones that have come forward anyway. Right. So So you don't really know the true number. Yeah, because, you know, there was months of no reports. So you don't know what happened in those months. Women didn't report it because that happens all the time. Right. But you have this composite sketch. Why do you not release it? I mean...
0: Yeah, I don't... It makes sense You've got this task
1: force that is, you know... Supposed to try to catch the Scarborough rapist, and you have this kind of information, and then you just sit on it. You
0: don't. Well, pass I thought along. I was like, well, maybe they're trying to not spook him, thinking that we know who you are. But at the same time, they didn't know who he was. So why would you not get as much help from the public yeah. as you could possibly get? Well, you're
1: putting your citizens in danger by not releasing that sketch. Right. Because oh, well, we don't want to spook him off. Wait, we got gotta wait till he rapes somebody else until we, you know. I mean I don't I
0: don't get the reasoning behind that. Yeah, I don't either. So Paul and Carla back to their story. Um once they met at the convention after that, they were pretty much inseparable. Yeah. So Carla was still living at home. She was 17 years old. And Paul would come and stay at her home.
1: Yeah, her family home. And
0: so, um, you know, they started their relationship. From what I read, her parents were actually okay with it. Even, You know, he was a bit, little bit older than her. Mm-hmm. But he was able to, you know, put on the show. And they actually, from what I read, were okay with it. Well, I mean, he was an accountant.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're you're not thinking, I don't know, you're you're having an impression of what you think that they're going to be like. Right. And yeah, by all accounts, they seem to like him.
0: So like we said, uh, Carla had two sisters. She was the oldest. And Paul becomes obsessed with her younger sister, Tammy. Tammy was 15 at the time. And, um, like, she was a virgin, and like we had talked about, he was had this virgin fantasy, you know, mm-hmm. obsession. Carla and Paul planned to drug Tammy so that um, Paul could basically rape her. They actually attempted this more than once. In July of 1990, Carla had stolen some drugs from the veterinarian's office that she worked at. And they drugged Tammy, but it wasn't strong enough, and she woke up. Pretty quickly, like he didn't have the chance to do what he had planned. So their next attempt was in December um, of the same year, 1990. And it was after a Christmas party at Carla's parents' house. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it sounded like they were maybe in a basement area or something. And they actually had you know, given her a lot of alcohol that was laced with um, sleeping pills mm-hmm. to try to put her out. And um, so she did fall asleep, and it's said that Carla was looking at this as a Christmas present for Paul. Yeah. That, you know, she was basically giving him her sister to rape.
1: As his Christmas present. As his
0: Christmas present. It's just sick. It's really, really disgusting. Uh, Tammy falls asleep, and Carla takes a rag soaked with halothane, again, that she stole from the office that she worked at, and she holds it over Tammy's mouth. While Paul rapes her. Mm -hmm. And at some point during this, Tammy starts vomiting. And so Carla takes the rag off. They try to clear her throat to get her to breathe again. They tried to revive her. They couldn't revive her. So they put her clothes back on and uh, cleaned her up. And got all the evidence that, you know, the alcohol and all that stuff, and then called 911.
1: It was something like two hours later. Yeah, it
0: was not like this was not like within 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a while because I'm sure they tried more than once to revive her because they were panicking. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't immediate. So
1: who knows? 15 year
0: old girl. 15 year old girl. Your sister. Your younger sister. Your 15-year-old sister: Yes. and you take part in her she helped undress her. Yeah. Like actually, there are reports that she was involved like she, she was involved. In she the participated. Rape. I don't know that that's regardless. you know, you,
1: you drug your 15-year-old sister.
0: Yes. After
1: a Christmas party in your family home, right. your parents upstairs. You drug her. You undress her, you hold a, an anesthetic over her face mm-hmm. while your boyfriend rapes her.
0: Right. Okay.
1: That tells you all just you need say, to know. I just want to emphasize
0: how sick that is. Yeah. All of that. Right. This is why at the end of this, you, you will be enraged. Yeah. It's one of the reasons. Yeah. So the ambulance comes, they can't revive Tammy, she dies. And um, even though she had chemical burns all around her mouth, the death was ruled an accidental overdose.
1: And I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not in the medical profession at all. But I came across the autopsy photos of this. Or not autopsy, but post-mortem pictures of this. By accident, I wasn't planning on doing it. It was just when I was doing research for the case. And there is no way, looking at her, you would think that this is an accident. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She, her face is blistered like... From her ear all the way up to her nose. I mean, just massive, massive burn on her face. I
0: do not know how they said that this was an accidental death. The, the- only thing that I can figure out, because I thought that too, I was like, this is crazy. Like, how could they not look in further into this? But you got to look at it from their perspective too. They're thinking, well, this is her sister she was with. hmm you know, they didn't automatically probably jump to the conclusion that her sister and her sister's boyfriend were raping her. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. It's, it is a far-fetched thing. Oh, yeah. But I think, you know, medically, I don't know if they thought maybe she had overdosed or, you know. They thought she'd been drinking too much. She had alcohol poisoning. when she threw up, maybe her face laid in the vomit. And uh, that's how the burns happened. I but that me. would still have to be really severe, you would think. Yeah, I would think. But... I, I'm not not a medical professional, so I don't know. But I that, don't know either. But, but that's what that's what I could you know come up with is that that's what they must have thought happened, something like that. I don't know. But so yeah, so nothing comes of this. So they base they get by with this. Yeah, like they they weren't even real. There was nothing from it. Yeah. So that is like this is like really really it, it, it's
1: it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting.
0: Well, also. This just tells you another level of how sick they are. So at Tammy's funeral, it was reported that Paul would stand at the casket and rub her hair. Oh my I mean, it was just really makes me sick. Exactly.
1: He makes me sick. Exa- uh, makes me sick. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, yeah. So and it also they had also placed notes and pictures in her casket. Yeah. So it's basically like they're. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't. You know, loved ones do that sometimes, but not loved ones who murdered you. Right, yeah. And raped you. Yeah. I don't understand, but obviously I'm well, not going to understand that.
1: The one that he wrote to her said something about that uh, he would love her until the end of time. So and, he
0: was really obsessed with uh, her. He was
1: super obsessed with her and that he would love her till the end of time and he would see her when he died. And no, I, I don't, I think, don't you. think you will. But yeah, so... It's, it was sick. Absolutely yeah. sick. Of course, we don't
0: know. I don't know. You You know. <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm not God. No. <laughs> no. Also, even further sickness of this. I, I can't even imagine this. It's hard for me to even say. So, Carlo would dress up in Tammy's clothes, and they would reenact this. And they videoed it. So, I mean, this is like really, this is another level. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean... We've, you know, talked about some really disturbing things. And, you know, when it happens to you, obviously, that is the most disturbing thing. But as an outsider looking at this, it's like, this is really next level. Like, you are super sick. Well, that's my thing, too,
1: that she betrayed her sister, like, more than, I mean, you can't even describe the amount of betrayal. But if she was so, like, just afraid of him and all this blah blah bull crap that we'll hear later i mean after he kills her sister that would have been the time to be like i gotta get away from this guy right or turn him in yeah you know what happened yeah i mean obviously you were involved in it but if if that's the if that's the case though she's like truly just not a
0: willing participant in this stuff that would have been her moment to get away and i don't think they recorded this one no, I so don't think so. Further down the line, they started recording their attacks, yeah. But I don't think they recorded this one. So this would have been prime opportunity get away from him,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but obviously she didn't want to. Yes, you know, so that tells you right there she did not want to. So, um She actually was quoted as saying later the reason that they picked Tammy, I guess, is their first. she's saying this the reason they picked Tammy was because they wanted to minimize risk, take control, and keep it all in the family that's what she honestly though that's her perspective yeah his perspective is not the same his is he's obsessed with tammy yeah so i think she's even disconnected from that because you know she's looking at it as we're in this together yeah but he just wanted tammy yeah, yeah i really believe that it's just yeah well if we go back
1: even before tammy was murdered like, because we had talked about the composite sketch and all that, that had been done in 88. Mm -hmm. In the summer of 90, which is two years later, they actually released the sketch. Right. Yes, I have that as well. And, like, when they release it, a ton of tips come in. I mean, like, a massive amount of tips. And many former girlfriends of Paul's contacted police, but they never followed up on these tips. Mm -hmm. And, um... Finally, like, in November, which is about a month before Taming, Mm -hmm. you know, is murdered, um, they start looking at two reports saying that they need to look into Paul Mm Bernardo, that he looks just like the sketch, and I know he's sick. Mm -hmm. These are former girlfriends, or uh, I think it was a former friend's mother who Mm -hmm. actually, like, got the ball rolling on this. said he had told me about, you know, all these sick fantasies he has and everything. That sketches him. I'm telling you, he's the one that's done this. hmm Talking about the Scarborough rapist. And um, so they actually bring him in for questioning in November. hmm And they only talk to him for about 30 to 40 minutes. 30 to 40 minutes. And he willingly gives his saliva.
0: Yeah, he gave um, blood, saliva, and hair samples. Yeah, I
1: mean, he he was forthcoming with all this. And, and they a- asked him, why would somebody say, or more than one person say, that you're the rapist? And they're like, well... That composite sketch does look like me. That was his response. Yeah. At cocky jerk, that's his response. <laughs> right. Eh, that does look like me. And the police decided that this guy was more believable because he was well spoken, he was educated, he was charming than the other people who had said, hey, that's your guy, right? right
0: there. The lady that they talked to. Yes, they said that they believed what he said over what she said.
1: That he was more believable.
0: So you can read into that what you want, whether it's an issue of, you know, sexism. They believe what the man says. Mm -hmm. That's possible. It's possible it's a class issue Mm -hmm. because I don't know what, you know. Well,
1: and it was not known, too, at this time that he had actually lost his job Mm -hmm. by this point. Right. And the way he was making, he had lost his job at the accounting firm. And the way he was making money is he was smuggling cigarettes Mm -hmm. from Canada to the United States, which I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah, But at least it was then. Yeah.
0: That's how he was making his money. But yeah. So, I mean, here again, you have a situation where people are saying you need to look at this guy. They talk to him and let him go. And that's pretty much it for a while.
1: Yeah. So in June of 91, we go on to our next victim, um, so, Carla had met this girl when she worked at the vet clinic mm-hmm. a couple of years prior, and um, she's just known as Jane Doe. Right. She was a teenager. Carla convinces her to come back to the house.
0: Well, she, I think it was under the guise, they have gotten a new home, and she invited her to come and see their new home. Right. So, she brings this girl
1: to her house, and she gives her drinks that are laced with some kind of, I don't know if it's sleeping pills or if it was a some kind of anesthetic mm-hmm. that she had used before. But so she waits till the girls knocked out. She calls Paul wherever he is and says that she has a surprise wedding gift for him. Mhm. Okay. She calls him, brings this girl to her house and says it's a surprise for him. Paul gets home and he videotapes Carla raping the girl. Mhm. Carla raping the girl. And then they switch. Mm-hmm. She videos him raping the girl. Right. And uh, when the girl awakens, she has no idea she's been raped. No,
0: because the drugs had knocked her out. She thought she just drank too much. She thought she was just... Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then in August, like two months later, Carla invites her back for like a girl's night. Mm Mm-hmm. And once again, they drug her and Paul begins to rape her, but she starts vomiting like Tammy had done. Right. And I guess... Carla actually called an ambulance, but then called back minutes later to say, no, everything's fine. Y'all don't need to come. And so the ambulance did not continue to go out there.
0: Okay. Here's my point about that. So, all right. So they call and say, I have a girl here who is vomiting, struggling to breathe. Why would they not just go ahead and go check it out? Yeah. Like, what would be the problem with just going ahead and say, hey, because, you know, if an ambulance comes you know, they always want to check the person out, even if the person doesn't want to. Even if they say they're fine. They kind of insist, yeah. you know. Well, let us just look at you. Yeah. So why? Because they should should have been probably close to the house by this time. Mm-hmm. Why would they just turn around and leave? Yeah, I don't know. I don't get that. There's a
1: lot of speculation. I mean, and, there may be which, protocol. Is, I don't. Yeah, know, but, it may be different in Canada too. Like because I don't know. You know how their nine one one system operates and stuff
0: like that. It may be different than the United States and. All that. But without even, like, they didn't even question it. Basically, they call back and say, oh, we revived her. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. They're like, oh, okay. It's not, well, she could have other trauma. Yeah. You know, there could be other stuff going on. That's just questionable to me. Yeah. So, once again, I think she didn't really know what had happened to her.
1: No, she, you know, she wakes up thinking, again, she had been drinking too much. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's a young girl. And she's young. She's like 15, I think, at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So this Jane Doe, she actually is convinced to come back to their house a third time. And Carla, they don't give her anything this time, but Carla tries to convince her to have sex with Paul, and she refuses Mm -hmm. and gets very upset and leaves. So she
0: escaped with her life.
1: Yeah. Because it's hard to tell what would have happened to her if, you know,
0: she would have stayed there. Well, you kind of wonder about this because actually in between her second attack on June 15th of 1991 was their first murder that was not you know a family member or a friend so the second murder occurred like I said June 15th 1991 Paul is driving around and he sees a young girl Leslie Mahaffey she's locked outside of her home um she had missed her curfew so her parents had locked the door she was 14 years old So Paul sees her standing outside and he pulls over and she goes over to the car and asks him for a cigarette. So he blindfolds and kidnaps her and takes her to his and Carla's house. Um, They filmed themselves raping her. They actually held her for over 24 hours. So they continued to torture and rape her for a whole day. During one of the attacks, It's said that maybe her blindfold slipped a bit. Mm -hmm. And so they were afraid that... Carla was especially afraid that she had seen them. And she'd be able to point them out. And she would be able to identify them. They decided they had to kill her. So they tried to strangle her with an electrical cord. Um, That didn't work. So they drugged her and she lost consciousness and never woke up. Basically, they have her, you know, dead. And they go and have dinner with their parents while Leslie's body is downstairs. downstairs. Yeah. So, after dinner, they go and dismember the body. Um, they put the parts in cement and they toss them into Lake Gibson. So, they think, you know, they'll throw them in the lake and they'll she'll, sink. N- she'll never but be But one of the um, encasements, I guess, was really, really heavy and it never actually went anywhere. It like I guess they threw it in and it maybe went a foot under the water and that's hung onto the bank. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's the one that they found first. And actually the Leslie's remains were found on Carla and Paul's wedding day, June 29th. Mm-hmm.
1: They play some of the videotape that was recorded during the rape and murder or the rape of this younger I mean 14 years old. I mean it's a it's a baby. Mm-hmm. I mean it, it's a ch- It just bothers me. But they played some of the video, and Paul says to her, I don't know if you read this, you're doing such a good job, Leslie. You're doing a damn good job. And then he says, the next two hours will determine what I'm going to do with you. Right now, you're scoring perfect. Mm -hmm. This poor child is being raped, sodomized, tortured tortured for a day, Mm -hmm. a full day, by two... Scum of the earth people. Right. I, I just can't imagine the the torment she went through. I it, can't it, either. It, it bothers me.
0: Now, there is conflicting reports between Paul and Carla as to who actually committed the murders.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Paul states that Carla murdered Leslie, mm-hmm. and then the third victim we'll get to in just a minute. So, Paul is basically saying Carla is the murderer, and Carla is saying... You know, Paul's the one that strangled her, you know, that kind of thing. The only thing, I, I kind of feel, I don't want to say that I believe Paul, but he was a rapist for a long time. I know people, progr- the, you know, usually they progress. Mm-hmm. But it is strange that he continued raping during this time, too. And not killing everybody. And he didn't kill people. Mm-hmm. It's only the ones that she
1: is involved, involved
0: with. Now, That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. There is one other report, though, from one of the rape victims that said that Carla was present. Yeah,
1: I read that. So, I don't know. Because she claimed to not know that he was a Scarborough rapist. Right. But
0: then one of the victims said,
1: no, she was there, and she
0: recorded it. Right. Right.
1: I don't know if that recording was ever made available or what, but yeah, that's what one of the victims had said.
0: But for this victim, Leslie, it was said that they had to kill her because she saw who they were. So he said that she had given a
1: lethal dose of that uh, halcyon. I don't know if that's how how you say it, but some kind of drug she had stolen from her job. Mm -hmm. But that's what had killed the girl. But then she says that Paul's strangled her. And I think that the medical examiner actually said that it was probably the strangulation that had killed her. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they both turned on each other
0: right. on that one. About the murder. Yeah. Like they couldn't deny the rape. No, because it's it's recorded. But yeah. yeah, so it's like, okay, now, well, we can at least point the finger on the murder charges. Mm-hmm. But all right. So um, April 16th, 1992. See, so here we are. This is almost a year since uh, Leslie. Yeah, June to April. So, I mean, there were rape victims in there. There were a ton of rape victims. Kristen French was the girl's name. She was kidnapped by Carla and Paul as she left school. Um, she was approached by both of them. At, um, I think Carla first approached her and said that they needed directions. And then Paul came up behind her and uh, forced her into the car at knife point. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, a lot of people saw this. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't like a at-night, you know, covert thing. This was daytime. This was after school. After school. There were people around. It was the beginning of the Easter weekend, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, were- so there were witnesses for this. Um, they actually raped and tortured Kristen for three days. Um, they forced her to drink a large amount of alcohol, and they actually made her watch videos... Of the rapes that they had done. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine this? No. I, it's
1: just... Well, and Kristen's parents knew immediately that something was wrong because they knew how long it took her to walk from school to home, and mm-hmm. she took the same route every day. So they got the police involved super quick. Mm-hmm. And they, the police actually went to um, the church parking lot where they had kidnapped her out of, and they found one of her shoes. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they realized they had
0: witnesses who said, oh, we saw the actual kidnapping. Right so they, like I said, they kept her for three days. They actually ended up strangling her with the same electrical cord they used to strangle Leslie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is almost, like we said, almost a year different, but they still had the same.
1: They never blindfolded her.
0: No. Like, so you, it kind of makes you believe that was their intent. Right. Their intention all along was she was not going to survive. Yeah. So that tells you something as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So here again, they have Kristen's body. They go have dinner with Carla's parents. I think that's almost like a high for them Mm -hmm. is they know what they've just done. And then they go and act like nothing's wrong. I think that's a rush for them. It's like, we know what we just did, but yeah, you know, they don't know. It's just so disgusting. So after the dinner, they go, they wash her body, Kristen's body they cut her hair, and they dump her in a ditch in Burlington. Yeah. And then she her body was found on April 30th. Yeah. Um, I had read a statement from Carla that said they cut her hair to just to try to throw people off that it wasn't her, because there were some, you know, differing accounts about why they would do that. But from her, it was just a way to throw off that this is who it was. Right. So about a month after Kristen's body was found, Paul was questioned by police about the murder, about Kristen's murder. He admitted being questioned about the Scarborough rapes and was still not considered a suspect in this murder after his questioning. That's unbelievable to me. So how can he go into an interview and say, oh, yeah, you know, they had already talked to me about the rapes. Mm -hmm. Here you are talking to me about a rape and murder, and they just let him go. It's just insane. It just it makes no sense. I, I don't understand it. Like I said, I'm not a professional. You know, it, but it just seems like this is too you know, what are the chances you interview the same person. Yeah. That people have pointed out and said you need to talk to this guy. I just it makes no sense. So after Kristen's murder, Carla and Paul changed their last name to mm-hmm. Teal. Teal. Yep. And supposedly they changed it to Teal because there was a serial killer in a movie Criminal Law. And that was their name. Yeah. So I've never seen that, so I have no idea. But anyhow, so everything finally comes to somewhat of a, you know, apex. Is that what you call it? That'll work. But um, December of 1992, Paul beat Carla. And he beat her up pretty bad, if that's what really happened. Who knows? The- I don't ever want to question a, an abuse victim, but in this case... The pictures both, of her look really rough. She got, something happened to her. I yeah. Mean, both of her eyes are severely blackened. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But she, you never she, know she with rough. her if she just got an idea in her head, like, okay, if I don't do something now, I'm going down to, Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't know. So he beat her on the 27th. So she goes to work on the January 4th and she still looks so bad that her coworkers called the police. Mm-hmm like she had told them I think that she had been in an accident, car accident yep but they didn't believe her they called the police and Paul was arrested but they let him go like really quickly on mm-hmm. his own recognizance
1: I don't know what this guy can say to these I mean this is what the fourth or fifth time he's been brought in for yeah something and they just let him go every I don't know what he says I don't know like, how like
0: a charm? Like, I can't even imagine someone like, no, like, we're skeptical people, though. Yeah, so it's kind of like,
1: well, I mean, he, he was a good could,
0: looking man, but he wasn't
1: super good no. looking that you would just believe. I mean, he wasn't for you know what I mean. <laughs> he, you wouldn't believe everything he says, right. Even under these circumstances, no. <laughs> if Thor came in, I if think, Thor came in on um, four times, and I'm thinking, okay,
0: and the sketch looks just like Thor, and they're
1: saying it's you, it's you, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I don't understand. It's yeah. Anyhow, so um, finally, the samples that they had taken from him two years prior mm-hmm. were finally tested. And one of the things that I read was that they had taken so many samples that that's why it took two years to do it. But my thinking on that is if someone is being ID'd and that people are saying this is who you need to look at, why would that not be bumped to the well, top of the... let's put a r- rush on that. Yeah. yeah. I don't... Under, but again... <laughs> I'm we're, not a cop. <laughs> we're not professionals. And we don't know the... There may be other yeah. elements that we are not aware of. But it still makes you think. So he was confirmed to be the rapist once they what? I know, shock. (laughs) So they um, so they arrest him for the rapes. And so between 1987 and 1990, he raped at least 16 women and likely more. That but 16 that they know of. So he was arrested on February 17th, 1993 detectives searched his house, but they didn't find a lot because the search warrant was limited due to the lack of evidence about the murders. So they could only look for whatever they put on the search warrant. So at the time, they didn't know to include some things that they should have. So basically, they didn't get a whole lot out of it. So in order to hang him for the rapes and the murders, they have to make a deal with Carla. Mm-hmm. So in May of 1993, Carlos offered the plea deal. She's going to get a 12-year sentence for manslaughter for, um, in exchange for testifying against Paul. So at this point, they know Paul's the rapist. They also know because of the de- um, evidence that he is involved with the Leslie Mahaffey-Kristen French. Right. So that's the two murders. It wasn't until after Carla accepted the plea deal and they now can go in and do a full search for everything. They can take whatever. Yeah. So at this point, they find videos. They find the videos of the rapes. And it is apparent and clear by the videos that Carla is not a battered woman who was forced to do these things. She was a willing participant. Because up until this point, in or- you know, she had basically made out to the police, well, yeah, I know Paul did these things, but he forced me to participate and he forced me to, you know, go along with all of this. Mm-hmm. I was just an abused woman, you know, and he was, you know, the evil one. Right. So once they find the tapes, they know that's not true. But they had already made the plea deal with her, so they can't go back on it. Why is that not a law? That if, if uh, you lie, if blatantly you, lie, yeah, if you and and it's li- proven and it's
1: part of your plea deal, and then it comes to find out, oh, you were lying the entire time. We're gonna pull that plea deal. Why?
0: Why is that not a law? Well, is it a law now? I don't think so. Uh, well, we need to work on this. <laughs> this is Canada too, so it could be different there. But she had signed the deal, so so it was too late. It was Everything too late. Was signed. It was signed. It was done. So she. But basically, they wouldn't have been able to search the place had it not been for her willing to do that anyway, right? Well, they wouldn't have been able to find all the evidence right. Of course, she probably wasn't aware of that because, you know, she may have thought, well, they're not going to find it, you know. They're just going to use what they already have. She may not have thought they were going to go back in. Well, she knew they had those tapes, though, At that point, they yeah, but she probably didn't think they were going to go back because they already have the evidence and they have her testimony. So why are they going to go back? I don't know. But anyhow, in September of 1995, Paul was convicted on two first-degree murder charges, two aggravated sexual assaults, and there's just too many charges to name that he was convicted of, to be honest. Pretty much all the charges. But the two first-degree murders are for Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French. Nothing for Tammy. Not for Tammy. He was sentenced to life without parole for at least 25 years. In Canada, it's a little different um so he'll be in there in jail for at least 25 years but they have a designation called a dangerous offender so he is labeled a dangerous offender so he most likely will not be released from prison ever Carla on the other hand was released from prison in 2005 she went on to have three children she got married she's been in and out of Canada she's moved several times obviously you know, you would have to. Yeah. Because <laughs> people were outraged. Like, and I get it. I mean, she gets 12 years for this.
1: Yeah. And well, like I told you, we were watching that thing on Netflix the other night. It's called Don't F with Cats. Yeah. And they talked about her as being the most
0: hated woman in Canada. Oh, I, I totally believe it. Because, I mean, she was as much involved with this as Paul was. And he's going to be in jail forever, which he should be. And she should, too. There were terms of her release, but then that were basically laid out, you know, you can't move without us knowing, um, Mm -hmm. all all these types of things. Well, they went back and said that they couldn't enforce that because it was considered against her rights because she paid her debt to society. But my question about that is, I don't know how it works in Canada, but in the United States, you know... If you're a registered sex offender, you have to you tell. Have to on, yeah, yeah the So register. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but I mean, I would think she would qualify for that. She raped women. Yeah. So, I mean, why would she not qualify as a sex offender? So did,
1: did neither one of them get any kind of charge with Tammy? No, because no her death was ruled an accidental so overdose. They, but they exhumed her body. Yeah, at one point. At one point, and that's when they found the notes
0: and yeah. the pictures and everything. But I at that it seems point like
1: charges could be brought on for that because that wasn't part of the plea deal because,
0: right? I don't know. I don't know what the issue. I don't. I don't know what the legal aspect would be of that because number one, it's not going to do any good to try Paul again because he's already going to be in jail forever. Yeah. But how do they prove? Yeah, yeah. You really couldn't prove it at this point. What, who did what and what happened? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so that is the story of Paul and Carla, the Ken and Barbie killers. This one was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, it was, it's very disturbing. Like, I just, I don't understand it at all. You don't understand any of these things. No. But some, you come across some that are just so, like,
1: and they stick with you too. Like, you think about them longer than some of the other ones.
0: You don't trust anybody. Yeah. Like, because you don't know. I mean, you can't even trust your own sister. No. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And his name's Paul. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call you Robert. <laughs> Robert. <laughs>
1: RP. RP. But there is a very good breakdown of the timeline on this, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you found this or not, but, it I mean, it goes into the entire life event, and it breaks down the dates and ages that... um Paul was at the time, Mm -hmm. and it was actually done at Rafford University. Oh, wow. By the uh, psychology department at uh, Rafford University. So if you get a chance, you can go on and Google that. Um, It's a really good timeline, and we'll actually have a link to it uh, on our website.
0: Yeah, this one was crazy. Well, I want to take a minute and talk about the movie really quickly, because I did watch it. Yeah, because
1: I hadn't seen it yet.
0: Okay, so it was called Carla, Mm -hmm. and it starred Laura Prepon. Who we love. Hot Donna. Hot Donna. From that 70s show. (laughs) Um, Or some people may know her from Orange is the New Black. But um, she was Carla. And Misha Collins, who people may know from Supernatural, Supernatural he played Castiel. He was Paul. <laughs> it was disturbing. I but can see him playing that part, though. Oh, yeah, totally. Because he yeah. has that kind of look. Yeah, I can totally see yeah, it. Yeah, that like he could convince you to do things. Mm-hmm. So, But for Laura, remember on that 70s show, she dyed her hair blonde. Yeah. This is why she dyed her hair blonde, because oh, she got this okay. part. And so in order to play this, she had to be blonde okay so that's when she became i haven't seen you know, that yeah it we well, i it's disturbing so you be in a good frame of mind when you watch it because <laughs> it's not something's going to perk you up by any means um yeah it's bad mm-hmm. but yeah i love i like both of them so much you know and i like the characters they played so much but seeing them in this it's like ugh. so you saw it before you did the research for the case right yes I did. so how
1: does it compare like it's pretty as dead on. As, okay. Yeah,
0: I mean, from what I read, it, it didn't stray from what had happened. Yeah. In a little sense, they kind of threw in hints that Carla may not be as messed up as him, but not a whole lot. Yeah. No, it was, from what I remember, it's been a while since I've seen it, but um, yeah. The Actually, the only reason I watched it is because she was in it. I was like, oh, well, I'll just see what this is all about. And I watched it. I was like, holy crap. I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah. So I remember hearing about this, like, years ago, Yeah, but I'd
1: never really, because I'd heard of the Ken and Barbie murders and all that, but I'd never really,
0: you know, dove too far into it. Yeah. It's definitely one that is, uh, there really aren't even words to say no. how messed up it is, but so we want to talk about our shirts, our One Murder at a Time podcast shirts. Yeah, they came in this week, and they look pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Um, we did a limited run right now, and um, if there seems to be a lot of interest and people want them, we'll do a bigger run next time with more sizes, more colors, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. so um, you can find those on the website at com slash shop. Just check that out, and check out our Facebook page, because we'll be doing a giveaway for some of the shirts, um, we'll make a post about that.
0: So thanks for listening, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. You want to make sure you listen for our next episode. Hopefully um, we'll figure out something good for that one too. So thanks to everybody for listening. Um, we actually wanted to mention one other thing really quickly. We are very close to 10,000 downloads, and we'd like to thank everybody who has um, listened to the podcast and just ask you know, if you enjoy it and you know other people who you think would enjoy it, just let them know about it. We're trying to get the word out so we can get to that 10,000. So um, we appreciate all the support and listeners that we've had up till now.
1: Yeah, and share it. And we like interaction. So tell us your stories. We're, we're very interested in like any kind of stories you have. So make sure you send those out to
0: us at our uh, email. You can find that on our website. And it, I mean, really, if you have a really interesting story, we would like at some point to have people on the podcast to talk to, you know, about their you know the either their story or an encounter they've had mm-hmm. with you know so yeah just let us know yeah so um thanks for listening uh, one murder at a time and i'm tracy i'm Mandy.
1: doses later